you know when you're working a night shift and it's 3 a.m. and it's like, are we drunk or delirious? I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. And you're listening to Drunk or Delirious, a night shift podcast. Episode of Drunk and Delirious. Yes, welcome, welcome. We're so excited. Um, we're actually going to be dropping. We are recording these like well in advance, but we're going to be dropping our first episode today. We're so excited. So if you guys have listened to that, let us know. We'd love to hear if you've been listening from the beginning. That would be so exciting. Yeah, and hopefully we just continue to get better and better and less awkward with these intros. But I think that was better already. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, let us know if you guys have like any ideas for how we should. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're open to anything. Too. Yep. Yeah, we're All super. Yeah, just don't be too mean. mean. Yeah, we're we're pretty fragile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just nice, nice oh, criticism okay. would be good. But um, yeah. since we last talked, Emily has some exciting news to share. Yes, I have a I have a, several things to update on. Um, <laughs> firstly, super exciting! I finally got a travel assignment. That took like almost two months, which seems so crazy to me because I feel like it's like a week before, maybe a day, Um, but finally have one and it's a local contract. It's only like 30 minutes from my house. It's a level two NICU with like maybe maximum when they're like strapped is like seven babies and um, I'm so excited. I start um, mid-February, so... Yay. Um, that's going to be great. And yeah, if you guys don't know what a level two NICU is, we're going to go over that today. Yeah, once we get into the um, the real uh, heart of this podcast episode, um, we'll start talking about NICU. Yeah. Um, that's so uh, exciting. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm I mean, so glad it worked out. It's close by too. like... Yeah, it's not I don't have to drive over an hour. Yeah, which is what I was looking at before, which is fine. But that just like, can be rough. Right. Um, on night shift, especially. So I'm really excited. Um, but yeah, yesterday, I was gonna tell Tan- or Hannah this story. Sorry, Tana. That is another one of my friends I'm going to see today. I get the I like literally interchange the names all the time. It's okay, um, they're really close. <laughs> um, I was going to tell him, you know, the story yesterday, and then I was like, oh my God, no, I have to wait. <laughs> so I had an appointment yesterday with um, my a colorectal surgeon. So I think I mentioned that like a couple weeks ago on the podcast that like I just have a lot of <laughs> issues in my butt. Hole's been bleeding. So I Love. was able to go to a colorectal surgeon. And I don't know if any of you have ever done that. Um, I know I haven't. That is an experience in itself. Um, you know, it's, we all get our yearly womanly exams and they're all up in yeah. business that way. But um, this is, this is different. Um, so she had me. Um, I don't know. Like that, it's like that same kind of bed that you have when you go get a pap, mm. um, but there's like 
the bed and then lower is like a foot stool or like an like you basically kneel on the foot stool and okay. like lay over the bed so your ass is sticking out. Okay. Um yeah. So she had me do that, but mm-hmm. had me like pull down my pants first and mm-hmm. then bend over. So my Oh my god, you're so exposed. It's just out. I mean, she had she was very great and like had a sheet covering me, but like they try. Yeah. But then she had to take the sheet off to like do her exam and like had to do like a trigger warning. I don't know if this is gonna be a trigger warning for people, but like you know know. digital stim exam. Mm. And then to like I think she was trying to feel for like internal hemorrhoids, like to see if she could feel Mm. anything. And then she literally had to like lube up and put a scope up my butt. <laughs> oh my god, how far up did it go? I don't know. Um, probably oh. like a couple, like maybe two inches. I really couldn't. You can't really tell. Okay, I didn't good. see it either, yeah. so I don't know. Um, just to like check for that way that she could look for internal hemorrhoids and like any fissures and stuff. Oh my god. Um, Oh, that was – and there was two of them, too. It was, like, the doctor and then the, a PA um, who I think There's was always. training. And I was like, mm, this is really great. Um, <laughs> I'm an experiment. Love yeah. Um, but basically, she said that there was, like, I have some small internal hemorrhoids and okay. no, like, fissures at this point. But she thinks that that was what happened mm-hmm. um, a couple – when I was – I just continuously – having a lot of frank blood um but now she's like she was like oh when was your or what was the, the result of your last colonoscopy and I was like never got one I've yeah, never I'm 29 had, like I've never had one and I've had gut issues for well ever but like real gut issues since like I was 25 so mm. um I've never got one so she's so going to want you to get one. No, I'll be getting one. Um, I have mm. an upper GI in like a week and a half, and I think they're just going to add it on to that. But the problem, though, too, is that we were talking – I was like, I feel like my worry is that I have celiacs and, like, they're yeah. just missing it yeah. because I don't eat gluten. Um, right. And I don't know. Even I feel like I constantly have issues and it could be that there are just like traces of gluten and everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like even though I'm emitting it, there's, I'm not like telling people that it's like a contamination allergy when I go out or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So. And um, which you would, if you were truly diagnosed with celiac. Right. Yeah. So, and she was like, yeah, but the other thing too is like when you get a colonoscopy and you haven't been eating gluten, then your tissues aren't going to be like inflamed Mm. and be like a marker of, you know, celiac. So I got to like call and see what they want me to do. Oh my gosh. (sighs) But so yeah, I was going to get a colonoscopy, which is what I expected. So I'm glad that I kept pushing out my upper GI. I mean, it sucks, Um, but it's like, it's a good thing because. Yeah. I'm glad to finally be getting one. I'm just so like, it's shocking to me that I haven't had one yet. So um, it'll be fun. Yeah. That's just my little update. Um, let us know if you've ever been to the colorectal doctor. Yeah. Who else has, <laughs> has poop issues? Let us know. Should we jump in? Yeah, let's jump in. So today we were figuring we would just talk about kind of targeting to um, maybe uh, people in nursing school or new grads or even like 
anybody in high school who's thinking about going into nursing or someone wondering maybe to make the switch to NICU nursing who's yeah, already totally. a nurse. Yeah. Um, and we might go over some really basic stuff. So some of you or a lot of you may already know all of this, but um, we just kind of wanted to talk about our experiences and different levels of NICUs and what kind of patients you'd see yeah. there and day in the life, that kind of thing. So yeah. Yeah. Gosh, what are the... So I guess like, so what level, did, what level did you start in? How many beds was it? I guess. Um, I started in a level three and it was about 60 beds. Okay. Um, and I started as a new grad right out of college, okay. which can be really hard to do um, to start in a specialty right out of, right out of nursing school, but it is possible. And I had to like look outside of California um, because there was no way I was going to be able to get in. Like people in my class, I think I may have said this before, waited like a year to get a job. So um, oh my God, I wasn't really? about that. Yeah. So I like back in just, 2015, right? Was it 2015? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So That's I crazy. I know. Isn't that wild? Now it's like, please, we'll take anybody right? who can breathe. <laughs> yeah. So it could be different now, but um, I highly recommend a new grad program as well. Just like for any specialty, I think it's really great. Like it just gives you that, um, more education because you don't learn anything about NICU in nursing school, like barely. So it was really great. Um, was it like a nurse residency program kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had classes, um, it was like a year long thing. We had classes we had to do a project. Um, And then we like graduated from it, you know, after mm-hmm. a year, but we were still working on the floor through all of that um, yeah. as a staff nurse, but you just get a little bit of extra training um, and education, which is really nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Mine was like very similar. I think it it used to be about 50 beds or something like that. Now it's a little bit bigger, but level three also. Mm-hmm. It was called a residency program. I think they're redoing it now. So um, at the time it wasn't great because we were grouped in with like all of the adult nurses too. So it was mm-hmm. very much geared towards them. And NICU is so specific. Um, as you'll learn, it's like none of this applies to you. It's like, I can't tell you how many times I've been to hospital orientation that I've sat through like putting a Foley in an adult, like, you know, one of the plastic mm-hmm, mannequins mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, not that you don't, it's fine because we put in Foley's in the NICU too, but it's just like, it's all so geared towards adult land. And it's, I'm like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, somewhere that's like friendly, like friendly to new grads or like they're used or like a teaching hospital, magnet hospital, like any of those places I feel like are more willing to take new grads and teach Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because they're used to having new people around. There's some places where they're like, they expect you to be experienced or they don't have like a lot of young faces on the floor. Um, And it's harder to get into those types of places. But um, yeah, I would recommend a a residency program Mm -hmm. or something. Um, uh, I was going to ask too, I can't remember, did you do like an internship or anything like that in the NICU or how did you like get into the NICU? I literally did one day, one okay. shadow day. <laughs> and you just like applied and you got it. Um, well, I did a shadow day in nursing school. Okay. Um, not like at this hospital, but yeah, no. then, um, 
and I realized that I loved it mm-hmm. and hated not hated but like didn't prefer any other specialty or you know type yeah. of patient so yeah and then I applied to like a million um, hospitals in in Arizona didn't apply to any in Arizona in California <laughs> and then I applied to just the one in Colorado and then got the interview and okay. got the job um, so and cool. then I moved yeah that's so crazy I was so brave fun. It was so fun. I just, I highly recommend moving away. It's just mm-hmm. great. Um, we've already talked about that too, but yeah, I think it's super important, especially like, I mean, Southern California and Northern California are very different. So it's like essentially a different state, but like moving to a different state, um, different part of the country is really, really eye-opening. And, it is. Um, and fun. Mm-hmm. So much to explore. Yeah. Can't recommend it enough. Yeah, exactly. So basically a NICU and I'm, we're probably going to not be able to like fully explain what each level is. (laughs) No, it's going to be like like very, and it's, I think it is different from, it's not like hospital and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a newborn nursery, which I feel like is where kids go if they, what have like maybe one I don't even know actually where you go to a newborn nursery that like feel like that doesn't happen anymore because it's there's sometimes like transitional units like sometimes I've been to units where like you're delivered and then the baby's like uh like maybe they're desatting but like sometimes they transition out of it so like they might go to like an intermit like a I don't know some sort of like nursery or like in between space mm-hmm. where they either are like, oh, you definitely need to go to the NICU or like, oh, you're fine. You can go back with mom. So I feel okay. like that's kind of a nursery, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Could or be making like, it up. <laughs> maybe like a low sugar that doesn't go up mm. with like feeding or like um, there you go. glucose gel. That's a good I one. I think that that's kind of like what a newborn nursery is or maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like level one is maybe. Couldn't even tell you. I couldn't even tell you either. Maybe a little step up from that. Maybe they do nasal cannula. Maybe yeah. it's like that more intense transitional. You know what I mean? Like needing, oh, I think if they need a full IV, they need to go to the NICU. But um, some places though, like they'll have not, maybe not fluids, but they'll have like an IV on postpartum and they can just like still get antibiotics there and stuff. So it is weird because like everywhere is so tell. different. Um, but and then level two, which is what I'll be starting in. Um, it also depends on hospital <laughs> to hospital, but typically they can do, you know, minimal intervention. Um, you know, they do IVs, they will do oxygen. Um, they'll do some CPAPs sometimes. Um, but if it if a kiddo has to get intubated, then they will typically just like transition them to a higher, they'll take up for a little bit and then transfer them to a higher level right. of care. And you said 28 weeks and up? Yeah, the one I'll be working in is 28 weeks and up. And like, this is super basic, but just in case there's like a high schooler listening to this who doesn't know, I mean, no offense to high school, I'm just like making assumptions here. Yeah, but, totally. Because it, um, it's weird terminology. We speak it. and Yeah, it when may you or may not be normal. <laughs> the first day I got report as a NICU nurse, I was like, what? Yeah, what are you talking about? Um, so uh full term is like 40 weeks generally, like anywhere like 37 mm-hmm. to 42 is like fine. 
Um, and when we say like a premature baby, there's like a lot of different types, but mm-hmm. you might hear us say like micro preemie and that's like typically less than – do you consider it like less than 30? That's what I kind of like in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Less than like 28 or 30, 28 yeah. or so. Yeah. I yeah. would say. Like tw- – and viability typically – in most states is like 23 weeks and up. Mm-hmm. There's some There's, states that are 22. Yeah. Which is wild. They so don't crazy. really survive typically. Yeah, but it's pretty rough because your lungs and you're just like everything. Like your skin. Yeah. It's just so bad. But um, so when she says 28 weeks and up, it's like, yeah, they're 28 weeks of gestation. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they'd keep them. Like if a 28-weeker came out and needed, like she said, to be intubated, then they would go somewhere else. Yeah. But they could, was, they could if right. it was like, a stable 28-weeker. Mm-hmm. And they don't do like any kind of surgeries um, that will go to a higher level of care as well. Yeah. Um, what's a level three, Hannah? <laughs> a level three. Um, the next step up um, takes all gestational ages, so 23 typically and older. Um, it does do ventilators. Um, it does almost everything like IVs, central lines, ventilators, cannulas, intubation. Um, it's almost everything besides surgery, but with some exceptions, like I've worked in some level threes with that did just GI surgery. Um, so like you can work in a level three and have an ostomy or G tube, um, mm-hmm. but you maybe not like cardiac surgery or like trachs. Um, yeah, it depends because my level three, we could do all of that. Oh, really? Um, okay. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And, well, yeah, we mostly did GI and like, um, we did PDA ligations and okay. ROP surgery. Okay. We did but, ROP. And, but now that I think that they have. Oh, and what's ROP? We, um, retinopathy of <laughs> It's what Stevie Wonder had, and that's why he's blind. Oh, fun fact. Fun fact. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of preemies have issues had... with, like, blindness. Yes. Due um, to, like, high oxygen requirements. It basically just, mm-hmm. like, fries the blood vessels in their eyes. Yeah. Um, so we do eye checks often, and it's not uncommon for kiddos to have eye surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty common, actually, um, just because – and especially, like – I feel like in Colorado as well, because we're such high elevation, like they need more su- like oxygen support, you know? So mm-hmm. I feel like we have a lot of issues with ROP. That's um, true. I was shocked when I worked there. Like it's just so different because like kids get sent home on oxygen like it's candy. It's just so like normal there because – and I it's something yeah. that you don't think about it, especially like if you're from like Pittsburgh or, or something um, that's like pretty much at – sea level like you don't yeah. think about that but then you go to Denver and you're like oh my gosh yeah we're I mean we're a mile up like we can yeah. adjust to that but babies it's even normal like even like full-term babies have issues with that so I mean, anyway exactly yeah it's super interesting um but I was gonna say the the hospital I initially worked at they built like a freestanding children's hospital and then they had all of like the more ORs and like children's specific ORs and everything. So I think that they can do many more surgeries and wow. treats and whatnot. I think the biggest distinction between a level three and a level four is the ability to do ECMO. Yeah. Um, 
and like ECMO oh, and no, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say and delivery, but then not necessarily. Like typically, like if you think level three, it's like a delivery hospital. Like mm-hmm. the mom goes in with a normal, like like normal. They have a labor and delivery unit, deliver there, and then like the NICU team goes and gets the baby from the mm-hmm. delivery room. Some level fours, like it's a level four, is typically seen in a children's hospital, mm-hmm. and. Um, sometimes they have like a special care unit, like for the moms who they know are going to have issues with deliveries and they'll deliver them there, but it's not like standard. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. I think that's another distinction, but go on. It's more like high risk deliveries. So we had like, I mean, I guess it's like a kiddo that needs either has like congenital defects or like they're going to need surgery or, you know, something like, or a, a micro preemie with a ton of other issues. Like there's difference. There's like a difference between a 25 weeker that was just born early and has, you know, other than them being 25 weeks, there's nothing wrong. But then there's a 25 weeker with a gastroschisis, gastroschisis or like diaphragmatic hernia or all these other um, comorbidities that yeah. you would want to be in a level four for that heart stuff. Who knows? Heart there's stuff. so many things. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really the distinction is strange. I think the biggest one is the ability to do ECMO. Yeah, um, good point. But also, the one that I worked at in Connecticut was like technically a level four because we could do all the surgeries, but we just didn't have like they had to go to the PICU for ECMO. So it's I don't really weird. know how to explain so it, but just think of it as like level one is going to be like your most basic care um just a little bit more than a normal newborn that they need a little bit of extra support and then to level four is like they're being flighted from one hospital to the next because they need emergency surgery and it's just like absolutely crazy right um so yeah that's pretty that's much kind of the different levels are. it is confusing it's um, really hospital dependent. Like it's it very, there's a pretty, I mean, I could probably look up what a distinction is, um, but that's kind of like generally, and that's not going to be, you know, a blanket statement for all of the hospitals. Right. Um, yeah. There's and, some things that seem to be common throughout the mall, but yeah, they're all, it's all a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just trying to Google levels of NICU and I wrote, levels of nice and that was there was an answer um there's like kind of nice here we go level one is a basic newborn care or like nurseries okay so maybe there that is a newborn nursery okay maybe there's not two different things that makes sense to me um healthy newborn babies stabilizing them um to get to transfer if they need to transfer to a level two, which is an advanced newborn care. Um, it says babies born at greater than 32 weeks. But like I said, the hospital that is level two that I'll be working at is 28 weeks. So there's hmm. one discrepancy right there. Um, and then level three, born less than 32 weeks as well as babies born with critical illness at all gestations. Um, <laughs> full range of respiratory support and advanced imaging and level four. Highest level of acute care um, located in a hospital that can provide sh- surgical repair of complex congenital or required conditions. 
Um, and like they have a ton of subspecialties that you can work with. So like we will have kiddos that need a pulmonary consult, like ENT um, mm-hmm. or cardiac or like all of anything you could really imagine. They come. Right. And um, commonly to like, I mean, it kind of goes without saying, but like you can have a kid in a level two or a level three that you can have there for like months and months and months if they're super young. Like you can have a 23-weeker born in a level three mm-hmm. that you basically grow and, and you know, whatever they need oxygen-wise and everything to a certain point. But like they may get six months old and they're still intubated and there's only so much you can do for them and then you transfer them to a level four. So sometimes at level mm-hmm. fours, you're not, you are getting like a lot of, tra- I mean, most of the kids are transfers in from somewhere, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they're a little bit older. So I think yep. um, not always, but um, the, the general population of a level four is a little bit older um, and more chronic than yes. a level three or a level two is more of like, like I said, like fresh from a delivery, not always too. Cause like you can still have big babies in level threes, but mm-hmm. I guess it's just, just the general. Common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. So like the kiddos say that six month old that's still intubated will get transferred to a level four and then probably they'll trial a ton of different respiratory support before then they decide to like place a tracheostomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to like grow them with that trach and then you have to wean them off of like the big ventilator to like what they'd be using at home and that takes a really long time yeah Um, they might go from the NICU to the PICU because they're so old exactly yeah we've had that happen a lot so I think that that's a good thing to know too before you apply for a NICU position like what level it is and like what kind of babies you want to take care of right because Hannah and I both started as taking care of like little tiny (laughs) itty bitty babies and we absolutely love that and then going to a level four where the babies um they feel like smile at you yeah oh they're so cute they're so cute but they feel like toddlers Mm -hmm. um they're not but they're just so much bigger and it's just it's different because they're yeah they smile they want to interact they have they're like personalities and they, they have don't toys. Want to like, like toys. Yeah. They, they want to be, they want to hang out. Like, right. So it's just really, um, not that we don't hang out with our little babies, but you can just like sit there and hold them and they're tiny and they sleep. So yeah. especially um, like a micro, it's like that room is like pitch black unless you're doing care. Their isolates covered with a blanket. Sometimes they're so small, their eyelids are still fused shut. So like they're not opening their eyes or interacting with you. Like they need complete silence um mm-hmm. and minimal like we say minimal stimulation like sometimes you don't you touch them twice and you're sh- I mean that barely ever happens because usually they're so sick they need a lot of meds and and um, blood mm-hmm. work and all kinds of different things but the point is to try to like you're not in there changing their diaper every couple yeah. hours because you're that even changing a diaper could cause like a head bleed <laughs> like it's you're going it's from crazy. that yeah you're going from that to like a 10 month old who's like close to 20 pounds or whatever, a one pound little 23 weeker to a 20 pound kid who's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like thrashing around, like smiling, holding onto his trach. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's, so it's a different world. I mean, it is. And you, it's cool to like be able to do all of that, but I feel like that's such a broad range. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And it, I mean, it's a great learning experience to like 
be able to work in all of it. Like try, try it if you want. Um, you'll, you'll find what you like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Hannah, what's like a typical assignment, you know, like what is a t- or like a typical shift like in the NICU? Yeah. It's so different everywhere you go, but, um, I guess I was going to say the max amount of patients you can have is three, but that's a lie. Um, <laughs> I've seen as many lie. as five. Oh, that but. sounds hard. I know the, the the nurse or the manager were interviewing me for my travel assignment was like, oh, what was like the normal ratio or like, how was it in California? I know it's pretty cush. And I was like, oh, I've taken like up to four babies before. Like I can absolutely do it. And she was like, oh, okay, good. Like, okay. <laughs> but I mean. They're not going to have be, that many kids. With that being said, like yeah. they're going to be very stable. stable like tube feeding like you know it's just gonna be easier but yes continue yeah um that's like five is that's wild that's so rare even four is like it's hard to common yeah not common and you you can't give your each baby as much time right especially if they're like you know feeders like if if you need to feed them by bottle it's like that's a nightmare yeah and you want to take the time doing it because like obviously they're there for a reason. So they need more support than just a regular newborn baby at home. Like mm. a regular kid, you can just pop the bottle in their mouth and basically they feed themselves because they're regular. Exactly. Yeah. But like a NICU baby, whether they're premature or not, like they need more support. So sometimes it can take 30 minutes or longer for them to finish their feeding or they might not even finish it. They might take 10 mLs and then you have to tube feed the rest. And exactly. it's a process. Yeah. Not that it's hard. It's just like it takes time and you have to do that for four kids and then you have to chart. But that's yeah. not that's not normal. But like the travelers at the uh, hospital and my home hospital in Pittsburgh, like those are the kinds of, the, of assignments that they get. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. And then I think like, I mean, regularly, like it'll be like three and usually they're like, <sighs> depends on which side of the country you're on. If it's in California or on the West Coast, it, they're more stable like sometimes mm-hmm. if you're on the east coast you'll have three but like a couple of them might be CPAP or something or NPV mm-hmm. with IVs or lines or something um but typically like pretty manageable um NPV oh that's like a that's like a I was gonna say the hospital name but like the hospital in Pittsburgh that's like their thing they call it um NPV. it's basically like it's so NIPV is what we call it I just NIPV. it's just funny like what you like yeah. different people in different hospitals say different things and some people don't use it at thing. all yeah. yeah like some people so some hospitals will go straight from oh my god this is like spanish to people who don't know nicu there's so it much really guys is. i'm sorry i know we're gonna have to split this up into like <laughs> it's so confusing several episodes sprinkle yeah. it in um everywhere it's super confusing yeah and and it especially is too just because yeah the verbiage is like um not it, it, across the country like yeah it's right like oh gosh um but npv like what i'm talking about it's it's basically like you're on a vent but it's nasal like you're not intubated nasally but you're you have like prongs mm-hmm. and it's like it's um you have a rate and everything like you have vent settings mm-hmm. but it's just prongs through your nose so it's not as invasive as like if you're intubated but it's a little bit more support than like cpap which is just like a peep Yes, that makes positive sense. and 
expiratory pressure. Yeah. Um, which means like, it's just giving you constant pressure, them constant pressure to keep their lungs open. Um, and then with NIPV or NPV, it's doing that. And then also like pushing air in at a certain rate. So many breaths per minute. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah, typically like you have two to three babies. If you have a two baby assignment, um, it's going to be kiddos that are a little more sick um, you know, or, you know, acute, like someone that's intubated and a CPAP stuff like that. Um, if you have three babies, it's typically, typically going to be like one kiddo that's just getting tube fed and then like maybe two feeders, um, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then a shift kind of looks like, like Hannah was saying with like a little micro preemie, you really only want to touch them every six hours, which seems so crazy not doing an assessment. I feel like it's different though in the hot, like in the, on like a med surge unit, like you do one assessment at the beginning and then you really don't like do much the rest of the night. Yeah. Um, whereas like we're used to like on other babies, you do something like every three hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. to only touch them every six seems like, ah, yeah, you really don't want to overstimulate them. Um, but otherwise, yeah, you have those three babies and they're each on like their own little feeding schedule um mm-hmm. and like you nurses are very obsessed with like schedules yes we're um we joke a lot that like I have the same feeding schedule or like we have the same feeding schedule as a baby like I have to eat every three hours mm-hmm. um that's honestly pretty true so yeah you get you just have to feed them and like do a set of cares is what we call it um or like hands-on which mm-hmm. is you know you do an assessment you change their diaper take their temperature all their vitals all of that. Mm-hmm. um and then you feed them um so any meds that they get mm-hmm. sometimes it's bottles um sometimes it's just straight up like you put it on a feeding pump and you give it to them that way because they're they can't eat yet. Um, usually they don't start bottle feeding until after 34 weeks, which I guess it's going to be so confusing for people to understand what that means. Um, so like if a baby's born at 23 weeks of gestation, like we've talked about that, they have 17 weeks, like over four months until they hit like full term when they were supposed to be born. <laughs> so you're supporting them like, through in an incubator, like through there, you're like mimicking the mom's womb essentially. Right. Um, up until as best you know, as we they, can, as best as we can until they can like tolerate being out of that, which can take a really long time. Can't wait for um, the day that they make the, did you see the, sorry, this is kind of off topic, but like, did you see the lambs and that they made in a fake womb? They like put baby lambs, so. they put lamb fetuses inside like a, basically a bag of like fluid and grew them that way but i think that's going to be the future of like nicu oh my gosh like you can probably hook something up to the umbilical cord and i don't know i mean it but they it was successful with the lambs so like i don't think that far i gotta look that up it's crazy yeah but Um, anyway that would be wouldn't that be crazy if you had like a couple that were like out in a crib and then you had like one that's in this like yeah, what would Bag. you even do? You just have to monitor it. Yeah, like like whatever the solutions are that's going oh inside and stuff. 
It's like D cells, D cells. So There's like a poker, wild. and you're like oh poking God. the kid to like stimulate them. There's <laughs> some way that you can like push some kind of like med in there. There's a glove. The, <laughs> oh the glove God. is like. <laughs> That would be so crazy. Oh my god. Oh, that's fascinating. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what how a shift looks. Um, gosh, yeah, it's different everywhere say. and different it every is. day. Some mm-hmm. some places some days are more like but too if it's like days or nights, like days, sometimes it's more like family oriented, like mm-hmm. um a lot of like education or sometimes you're doing some breastfeeding um mm-hmm. support i would mm-hmm. say that's more of a thing and like definitely level twos yeah and level threes level four yeah. is like the kids are too sick to be sucking on a boob but mm-hmm. every once in a while mm-hmm. um yeah you still like you want to help them with pumping um because getting their milk supply going as early as possible even if they have you know like a 23 weeker um that breast milk is going to be like so 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 helpful for that little kiddo um what's I gonna say that oh and then or like during the day if you're working in like a level three that has you know the capabilities to go down for an MRI or like another scope or something like that um you might just have a lot of procedures to take kids to um during the day um which Mm -hmm. I've like I've done a lot as well you you can do that at night but it's not as common yeah um do you want to just say some like other distinctions I guess between day shift and night shift I guess like we talked about the parents um and like yeah MRIs like therapies I guess would be more of a day shift thing yeah 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 doctors rounding a lot a lot yep a lot of hospitals that have like oh occupational therapy physical therapy speech therapy that comes in mm-hmm. and works with the babies um making sure that they're having like as normal development as possible and then do the doctors do rounds um there's a lot more teams on during the day especially if you're working in a teaching hospital mm-hmm. um or a hospital that it's like super multidisciplinary that has you know all those extra like ENT and everything they'll do rounds specific rounds on the patient um mm-hmm depending on where you are and what your unit, some nurses have to present rounds Mm -hmm. or you're just there to listen and chime in. If you've seen any changes that you think are significant or if you have any questions. Yeah. Um, A lot more major changes made on day shift typically. Yeah. They really don't like to change a lot of things. I know it can be very frustrating. Um, But then when it's like seven, six in the morning and you're like, Okay, that's a DSP, which is a day shift problem. So we love. <laughs> I don't know how I, I heard that. That's funny. Oh my god, it's yeah. It, I and I will say I've worked both nights and days, so like I get it. Like mm-hmm. coming onto a shift and them being like, "I'm so sorry, you have to do all these labs," but it was six thirty in the morning and I couldn't get them done. Like it's just how it is. Um, yeah, it's not like the the shift just because your shift is ending doesn't mean the work is over. You know, it's a full time, like it. it's continuous. So yeah. the nurse coming on, as long as you're not like shitty about it and you're, you're mm-hmm. being lazy, like, I mean, you know, or like sometimes an admission comes at 645 and it's like, yeah, I'll like start, but, and maybe I'll help you finish it. Like maybe we can tag mm-hmm. team it really quick. Right. But, like, but like, you know, it's, it's kind of 
on the oncoming nurse to finish that because you're the nurse now. Exactly. And yeah, like I, I mean, my favorite thing is having like a septic workup that you need to do literally at 7am and you're like, cool, cool, cool. cool. So typically like I grab all the supplies and like yeah. get started and like have everything ready for them. And then you kind of like give report as <laughs> you're doing it. Like oh, that oh, means gosh. so much to me when the nurse will at least gather the supplies. Like yeah. I've had too many times where it's like, oh, oh my God, I had this one. Sorry, real quick. But one time a nurse uh, was like, yeah, I'm giving this anti- the antibiotics going in. Um, this was a one pound baby. And there's a blister on her head. I'm not sure what that's from. I was like, from her IV. Where's the IV? Yeah, where's it was the in IV? Her head. It was in her cool, scalp. Great. She was like, it's, I was, she was like, I don't know why it's there. I was like, it's from the IV. And she was like, oh. And I was like, okay, well, we need to go stop the fluids now. So then – and it was just oh. annoying because then I'm like, okay, now I have to start my shift off with a new IV. And like this girl was oh, just a, like yeah. leaving it and didn't tell anybody that there's a giant open wound on her. Like I was – what the hell? Oh, my um, God. But and then, especially if you have a med running through it. I know. I was like, you're burning. Like that's it burns. Like – it's like leaking, like you're the the med is like leaking through the vessel and destroying her skin. Oh so my it's god, ah. it's disgusting. Um, but yeah, and I guess on nights, at, like typical things are just like baths and weights and mm-hmm. drawing labs. I guess would be the main mm-hmm. things. Um, and you yeah. will have to start on nights. Yeah, at so least that. rotating, but but I think it's a really really good way to start, especially like in a very um, intense specialty. Cause you get to, you learn a lot more and it's like, you get to get your time management down cause it's not as crazy yeah. um, with all the extra services that are during happen during the day. Like you just get to learn like your care of your patient and like managing that. So I yeah. think that that's really helpful. And you kind of are a little more independent, um, with the provider, not all being like right there all the time, you know, you kind of just have to use your your critical thinking skills and be like, should I wake the provider up for this? Or like, can we manage it? (laughs) Right. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I guess those are like, I mean, we were kind of all over the place, but I think those are some good, like NICU basics distinctions Mm -hmm. between the levels. Hopefully that clarifies things for anybody who's interested in NICU nursing. Um, We both love it. I mean, it's definitely a special job and every day is different. Like, and it's cool because yeah. we're still learning and there's yeah. endless things. There's endless, there's, like, things that you've never heard of, genetic things. And mm-hmm. I mean. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, and because, like, neonatology is such a new field, there's, like, I mean, yeah, people have been doing, like, medical things for humans for hundreds of years. But, like, being able to save a baby that's 23 weeks and like grow them to full term and they're fine. Like they're mostly fine is like a very new thing. So um, there's things being uh, learned every day um, and new mm-hmm. things being figured out. So it's, it's pretty interesting. It's very special. Yeah. But we, we encourage it. And yeah, if anybody thinks of like, if we didn't go over something or if you need clarification, if you have more questions, send them yeah. over and we'll, and we'll do another episode answering more. Because totally. we know there's so much to talk about, but yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and you can send your questions either to our email, um, drunk or delirious at gmail.com or go to our Instagram, um, 
and comment on today's like episode post or you can or message us or send us a dm yeah, yeah at drunk or delirious is our um instagram handle as well but Yay. yeah that's the NICU in a nutshell in a nutshell <laughs> that's the NICU to go on yeah. for literally hours about it so oh we'll goodness. stop now <laughs> part two coming soon I'm sure right I know my gosh as, if we get a good enough response yeah yeah crickets <laughs> people are like I don't care about this like, <laughs> or they're like we'll um, we know <laughs> yeah um, so sorry funny. if you do but just turn it off then. Turn off the podcast. Yeah. What are you, why yeah. are you listening? Change to a different episode. It's We're fine. Good. We don't. We talk about different things every time. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Talk soon. We got to work on this too. So if you have any suggestions, please help us. But, yeah. Um, we're working on it. We will. Have a good week. Uh, talk to you guys next time. Yeah. Have a great week. And talk um, to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. I feel like we got some good stuff in there. Maybe. This podcast is produced by Emily Richardson and Hannah Quirk. The intro music is by Dan Lemire. Please help us out and rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at drunkordelirious or send us an email at drunkordelirious at gmail.com.